Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. I'm Karen Bashir, I'm a former international fencer and now a fencing commentator. And joining me... Hey Bash, hey everyone, I'm David Baker. I'm currently an international fencing referee and I'm also on the uh, International Fencing Federation's Promotion, Communication and Marketing Commission. Above all, Dave, we're both fencing fans, and over the next few months, we're going to bring you regular updates concentrating on qualification for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Yep, we're all about Olympic qualification. This began in April of this year, uh, and it's going to include, uh, conclude in April of next year. Uh, we've got plenty of events left across all six weapons for the first time ever, and both teams and individuals are going to be looking to book their place in Tokyo. So whether you're a fencer, a coach, a team manager, or like us, Simply Fans, we'll be bringing you all the news on which teams and which athletes are in the running for the Olympics. Before we get into that, though, this first episode is all about the process. So Dave, let's start at the beginning and teams. Yep, so it all starts with the teams. So across all six weapons, process is exactly the same. Top four teams in the world qualify. Doesn't matter where you're from, if you're in the top four in the world, you're going to the Olympic Games. After that, we're going to take one country per zone. Four zones, Europe, Americas, Asia, and Africa. Next best uh, team in those zones qualifies with the caveat that you've got to be inside the top 16. If you're not in the top 16, you can't qualify. And then the lucky loser, the next best team that hasn't qualified, comes in and takes your place. So just to be a little bit more clear about that, the, the situation's going to be fluid between now and that deadline in April. You need to be in the top four in the world in April of 2020 to, to book your spot automatically. Absolutely right. And it's actually, um, although you know it is the top four, um, uh, regardless of zone, the makeup of those zones uh, inside that top four is critical. Because if you have, say, three Asian teams, in, in the top four, then it does leave room for another Asian team to come through, which means there might only be two European teams. And this is going to change after every team event. So all to play for. Eight countries will qualify four quota spots in each of the six weapons. Each qualified country gets to choose who fills those spots, and three fencers will compete in both the individual and the team events. The fourth will be the team reserve, and only becomes an Olympian if they actually fence. So Dave, what happens if your team doesn't qualify for one of those precious team places? So if you miss out on the team qualification path, we've got to look through the individual route. So what we do is we build a new ranking. We call this the Adjusted Olympic Ranking. And this is how you qualify as an individual. From that ranking, we take the best two Europeans, only one per country, best two Asians, best American fencer, and the best African fencer. Okay, Dave, right. That is a very simple explanation because the adjusted Olympic ranking is just a little bit more complicated. And I think it's worth it for our listeners to, to understand how that adjusted Olympic ranking is actually formed. Yeah, so the best, the best way to describe it is if you looked at the traditional FIE ranking, if you removed every fencer that was from a country that had qualified a team in that event. So let's take some big nations, so Italy, France and the USA, they, those, as an example, had qualified in the team event, those fences would not be in the AOR. And ev that's every single fencer from those teams, yeah, not correct. just the top four. Absolutely right. And then, strictly speaking, you then grab the best fencer from each country. Because, as we said before, you can only have one fencer per country. And that's how we create this AOR, the Adjusted Olympic Ranking, to select the next, uh, what have we got, six fencers to qualify through this, uh, through this individual path. 
Yeah, so it's, it's not an easy thing to get your head around, but I'm sure that we'll come back over this and refresh our uh, listeners' memories as to how the process works. But it creates an interesting dynamic, especially for fencers from countries that may or may not qualify through the team route. Absolutely, and I think the interesting thing as well is that even though, uh, say in the teams, you have the uh, top 16 requirement, there's no uh, bottom threshold for, um, for the individual events. So it would be possible to have someone ranked 100th in the world qualify through this individual path. There's no, um, there's no floor uh, at all, which is, which is very interesting. And if you do get clusters of teams qualifying from a specific zone, um, you know, we, can, we can be going down the list sometimes to work out who, who would qualify through this path. And our job will be to bring you updates uh, after each event uh, through the rest of qualifications. A nervy times for the fencers, but all the more exciting for us there's one final way to book your place at the Olympic Games, though. Yeah. Uh, nearly immediately after the uh, season finishes, uh, we're going to have a final zonal qualification event. And this is a winner-takes-all, one place at the Olympic Games. If you win the tournament, you're going to Tokyo. But obviously, you can only enter that event if your country doesn't have anyone qualified in that weapon. So say I'm from France, I could only qualify, or I would only be eligible to attend the qualifier if France hadn't qualified either a team or an individual through the individual route. And only one fencer per country. One fencer per country. Small competition, but incredibly important competition. Yeah, very intense, isn't it? And am I right in thinking this is the first time where you're not going to have this weird situation of the zonal qualifier finishing before someone's awarded a gold medal? Yeah, that's an interesting one, because uh, now that we've got 12 medals, we don't have this separate... Um, uh, individual only qualification uh, event like that we had for men's sabre and women's foil last uh, last time in Rio 2016 where you had multiple fences qualifying through the individual route so you may not need to have a, uh, a final if two for example from uh, the Pan Ams are able to qualify now it's 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 a gold medal and I think it'll be a, a pretty crazy gold medal yeah, I mean, that's going to be an absolutely superb ending to the, uh, the sort of official qualification process for all the teams apart from Japan. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty standard for, for the Olympic Games. They, uh, there is a certain host uh, country quota in fencing. That's eight, uh, eight fences uh, that Japan can either use uh, just as individual uh, places or if they put three individuals in or they qualify three individuals they can also automatically enter a team uh, so it's up to japan to use them uh, how they see fit uh, but this is all done after the qualification period so all those japanese fencers are going to be fencing as hard as they can to qualify because the more they qualify then they can use those places on their friends and other weapons that potentially wouldn't qualify through the direct route so a little bit of a bonus for the host nation, as there always has been uh, in the, in Olympic history for as long as I can remember. Absolutely, yeah. Since since um, uh, since Atlanta '96, where the uh, where the fencing qualification uh, to the Olympics really tightened up, and it wasn't just fencing; it was across all sports. Um, there's been this uh, host country host country allocation, and um, uh, generally, I mean, Beijing aside, um, the host countries have used. Um, have primarily qualified through those uh, those host country places. Right now, throughout the uh, this sort of series of podcasts, um, we are going to be focusing on uh, event by event. But just let's have a quick delve into Japan itself. Uh, they've uh, they're taking this Olympic Games very seriously. Uh, Frank Bodan, for example, coaching uh, the the foilists. So they are they are going to book places through the traditional qualification route. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I was I was fairly uh, skeptical at the start of the season of how well they've done, but they've they've come out firing on on all cylinders. I think they've overperformed, especially in the team events. So there would be the opportunity if Japan didn't need to use all of their qualification uh, places, then there would be some bonus slots available. I think this is still very unlikely, but this is decided by uh, an international. They call it a tripartite commission to um, to allocate uh, basically the best fences that didn't get qualified through any of these routes. Um, so the last time we saw that was in Beijing 20, in 2008, where uh, I think they used had three places available, of which Britain's Richard Cruz, I think, was a recipient, um, amongst others. Well, look, uh, at the risk of sounding like we're brushing over the tripartite commission, I think we'll save that. Uh, we'll describe it and explain it more if it actually arises. But uh, thanks for explaining the qualification process for Tokyo 2020. What can our listeners look forward to hearing in the next episode? So the biggest event on the fencing calendar is the World Championships. We've just finished that up in Budapest. What an incredible event that was. Uh, so we're going to have a look at where the fences and teams stand. We're going to go through the qualification rankings uh, and where they stand after the World Championships. Well, I'm really looking forward to that, Dave. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and do hit the subscribe button to get a notification on when episode two is available. But bye for now. Mm-hmm.